Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome to the Modernizer Die Pod- Podcast. It's November 8th. 2022 episode 171 i'm gavin pickin senior developer auto solutions and i'm joined today by brad wood another senior developer at auto solutions seems like we've got a few of those around but uh welcome brad how you doing we, we just throw that title around like candy yeah pretty much <laughs> i'm i'm doing good i've got my uh got my espresso mm-hmm. it's got some fresh beans from a uh, i think a cuban coffee company in in Miami called Zaza's really good. You guys are looking for some new espresso beans to try. Oh. They do ship through the mail now. Oh yeah. Well, I'm not a coffee drinker, but uh, I'll take your word for it that it's good. <laughs> well, you know, it's a it's a green tea, a matcha green tea latte with some espresso shots. So it's like a weird mix up. Well, that definitely sums you up, Brad. A weird mix up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hit the nail on the head. Yeah, well, Looks like the show notes are long today. We should get into this thing. Yep. Well, the first, let's thank our, thank our sponsors, Auto Solutions. Maybe I should have some caffeine after thank our sponsors? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Can I go first? <laughs> so thanks, Auto Solutions, the maker of Coldbox, Moundbox, Forgebox, Testbox, and all your other boxes. Uh, a few ways that you can say thanks is to like and subscribe our videos on YouTube, uh, help Autos reach for the stars by uh, starring and forking our repos, and all the other repos that you uh, use in your box dependencies. Uh, we have a little tool for that, Command Box GitHub, which we'll post in the show notes for you. Um, also, you can subscribe on your podcast app and uh, leave us a review. We really like those. We have free and paid content on CFCast, which is releasing new content every week. And then we got some stuff on the Box Life Store, and we've got the Coldbox HMVC Tips and Tricks book up on Gumroad. And so those are great ways that you can say thanks back to Audis. But another way they can do it is a Patreon supporter, right, Brad? That is correct. In fact, I think the reason our show notes are so long is actually just because of the growing list of Patreon supporters in the bottom of it. Yep. And so you missed it last <laughs> week, but uh, I said that we're going to read out all the Patreons until the end of the year. But once the end of the year hits, we're going to actually do what the Patreon list says. And it says that certain levels are read on the podcast. Others right. are available on the website. So uh, starting in, in the year, or the, the first of next year, we'll trim the list of what we actually read. But we'll still have all the Patreons <clears throat> in the show notes, but we just won't read everybody because we're running out of room. And uh, that's a good thing, right? We're running out of breath. Yeah, that too. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, but one of the cool things about our Patreon supporters is that we actually fund 100% of this podcast from our Patreon support. So we have 42 Patreons right now, um, and you can find out more at patreon.com slash auto solutions and you can see we're actually uh 30 i think it's 38 percent. i forgot to update the show notes let me do that right now 38 percent of the way through to uh basically funding um a forge box and cloud infrastructure stuff which is pretty cool so all the package management stuff that brad just talks on and on and on, <coughs> on about is uh yeah we're funding almost half of the the hosting for that so that's pretty neat but yeah another reason i'll i'll show notes are very long this week is we actually have a special patreon sponsored job announcement from tomorrow's guides so i've seen these posts a couple times around and they got in contact with us and they wanted to sponsor so they're one of our newest gold sponsors uh, patreon sponsor and so they have a little job announcement you want to read a little bit about what they'll be working with brad i can if i can find that part of a show notes 
<laughs> Sorry, so, I was distracted looking at a different window. The uh, guides tomorrow's, tomorrow's guides, guides yep. tomorrow's guide. It's like who's on first? Tomorrow's guides. Uh, they're a fast-paced leader in the UK care sector, catering for care seekers across three areas: care homes, nurseries, and home care. Uh, they are often called the trip advisor of the care sector. Their product team consists of 20 individuals across the UK working remotely to expand and improve their offering with regular expansions in teams year on year. They work with both Cold Fusion 2021, also Node.js, React, and the Azure Cloud. Uh, they also use MS SQL, MongoDB databases, and they are looking for a senior Cold Fusion developer and automation testers. <clears throat> and they have training paths to Node.js available as well. Yep, so they've got a couple of jobs available, like you said. Um, their website has more information on all of that in there. Um, but yeah, it looks like they've got a couple of couple of good positions there. And they have some pretty good benefits too. So, you know, got £4,000 per annum discretionary company bonus scheme. They got 25 days paid annual leave and bank holidays, 6% employer pension contribution, and then access to free perks and discounts through Perkbox. They've got long service awards, a cycle to work scheme, and they also have company and team night outs that sound pretty cool. So, um, yeah, so if you guys are looking, uh, that's UK only, but um, they have a couple of positions. And so we'll share those those notes and we'll tell you a little bit more about it uh, in the job section too. But we will be getting a little uh, video clip. So we'll be posting that in future episodes. But uh, if you guys are in the area looking for a job, that sounds like a great one. So thanks very much, Tomorrow's Guides, for supporting us. And hopefully we can help you find the right person for your positions. Okay, so let's get into the next thing, news and announcements. So the first one, uh, this is something that Pete had posted. Um, basically, Pete has had uh, several people asking about the open SSL vulnerabilities that were patched uh, last week. Uh, and so we'll bring up his blog post and I'll share my screen for those watching. Um, but what do you think about this, Brad? Have you paid much attention? Yeah, I mean, I saw the post and I saw some people asking about it. And especially since the the log or log Rochelle things, another conversation was just happening today in Slack. Every time a big, you know, vulnerability comes out that's either related to Java or something like SSL, which is, you know, very ubiquitous, everyone's all asking, does this affect Cold Fusion? Does this affect Lucy? Um, <clears throat> so I, I was thankful that that, uh, that Pete put out this little article just kind of answering that. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of these um, have like an it depends answer just because there's so many ways you can have a server configured. There's so many, you know, companion pieces of software you may or may not be installed, you know, and it's hard to tell someone when 100% certainty your server isn't using library XYZ. But yeah. he has a nice little rundown here that basically talks about, you know, where you could possibly be using it. Uh, at the top, he basically says, by default, you shouldn't be using OpenSSL with Cold Fusion and Lucy. But then he kind of goes down and talks about all the places that it may have been added into your stack based on configuration or based on the software you're using. So, um, definitely a, a very useful blog post because you know, people want to be able to tell management they want to check the box and say you know we're secure from this we don't have to worry about it um and it, it's interesting a similar conversation came up today uh in slack in reference to oh, um node is vulnerable oh wow <laughs> docker hub well, uh, node there's a list on the thing i'm showing which is scrolling okay. through it. i just scrolled through so the 3x <laughs> vulnerable well more information. An, you know, a, a, a similar conversation was happening today in the CFML Slack, but instead of 
OpenSSL, it was about an Apache Commons library, and people were asking, are we vulnerable? Um, and I suggested that the person, you know, if they needed to have an official answer, email the pcert at adobe.com, which is the, um, you know, security incident response team at Adobe. Uh, and interestingly enough, um, the pcert team from Adobe replied back to them and basically brushed them off and said, ask the Adobe support team, which I thought was kind of interesting since, I mean, I, I assumed pcert would talk to the Adobe team to get the answer, but I figured that, you know, Usually, this is how it works. You know, everybody who's not part of PCERT at Adobe is terrified to speak publicly at all about anything related to security. They'll get their knuckles, you know, rightfully with so. The ruler. Yep. Yeah, they say, "Oh, no, don't talk to us, man. Talk to PCERT." And yeah. PCERT today is telling people, "I don't know. Don't talk to us. Talk to the Cold Fusion support team." And I, I highly doubt Cold Fusion support team is going to give them any official answer one way or another. So uh, yeah. that's a little disappointing. But I don't know, maybe. Any Mark Dakota can help figure that one out. Um, because I mean, some people need to be able to come back to their boss and say, We need to remediate this, or you know, we we or don't clear. need to, yeah. Because yeah, that's it, the thing it, is, like, if you're using SOC 2 and stuff, like, you've got a specific plan of how you should announce vulnerabilities and everything else. And so, of course, Adobe support team shouldn't say anything about it, the security team should do it the right way. But yeah, for, yeah, for people I, on our side, we need to know. And I thought in the past, um, and maybe it didn't come from PCERT, but I thought there had been some times where, you know, Adobe got so many questions about a particular exploit, they just came out and said, FYI, we're not known to be vulnerable to this at this time, just to have, you know, a public statement. But maybe that came from the Cold Fusion support team. I'd have to, yeah. I'd have to look some of those up. Yep. So, again, we're not sure. But you should be fine. But it depends on how you're using uh, OpenSSL. But I looked on a couple of my boxes, and they were not even the same version, not even close to it. So looks like we're, we should be good there. So next up, though, we have a, a little announcement. So uh, as Nolan put in his blog post, all those people that say you don't know how to use Coldbox, well, that excuse is no longer valid because... Uh, the Coldbox Masterclass, which Nolan actually helped uh, create, is now free and av freely available on CFCast for you to take up until the end of the year. So we've got almost seven hours of content for the Coldbox Masterclass, um, and that's all available for you. So pages and pages and pages of great content. It's all bite-sized snips too, so like, you know, four or five minutes, so you can fit a little bit each day or, or whatnot, however you want to approach it. But I like that we have it broken up into smaller chunks, so it makes it easier to digest a little bit uh, here yeah. and there for sure. Yeah, that's one of the CFCast series that we we have out, and uh, and now it's yeah it's freely available. So, binge binge coding anybody, uh, you know, go check that out. Um, and yeah, so it's uh, I'm really excited to see more people taking it. You know, a lot of times when we we do work for some people, we just try try and provide a few of these classes for free, just to get people into it and sort of you know the the base knowledge up to the same level so we can go deeper so i think it'd be great for a lot of people to take the opportunity these holidays coming up to learn a little bit more so very cool and then next up uh luis was tweeting and actually released um like a, basically a specification document by the look of it for wirebox delegates you want to tell us what that means in english it means fancy things <laughs> um sorry i was uh replying to adam cameron here in the chat no um, I was just gonna I was gonna slap that uh link to the I have it right now chat in Slack. Uh you have to be oh, logged no. into the Slack team for that to actually work, but uh there's the reference to that thread. Um for anyone in the chat you might want to see that 
So Wirebox delegates are um, <clears throat> sort of kind of like uh, trying to solve the same problem traits are in, uh, in other programming languages. Um, it, it, uh, it's something that we saw being demoed in several other languages, um, JVM languages, when Luis and I were at DevNexus, the big Java conference we go to in Atlanta. And so Luis got inspired and wanted to see what that would look like in uh in cold fusion using wirebox the long and short of it is <clears throat> if you have uh in the example luis usually uses in some of those documentations if you have like a a computer class and it has it is composed uh with a um a memory class the side of it and there you go, you're scrolling past it right now i think yep um and uh you would normally say you know computer dot get memory dot get free memory or something like that you would you know you would uh go through that uh, that memory class but if you wanted to make the get free memory method just be available directly on the computer class uh without writing the boilerplate of you know a custom function that just you know delegated out to the uh memory class the wirebox delegates allows you to basically use some annotations on the class where you say hey wirebox um i want all of these methods either all of them literally or some sort of pattern worth of methods from my memory class to be injected directly into my computer class so i can call them as though they were part of the computer class but behind the scenes it's actually delegated out to the memory class and it's a little bit more complicated than just moving uh udf references around and that's because in cold fusion when you inject a udf into another cfc the this scope and the variable scope inside the udf point to the new cfc not the old cfc so mm -hmm. we do some closure magic um to make that happen but Anyway, it's a uh, it's a more advanced um, sort of concept, but it's fairly um, simple when you think about um, kind of the terms like the computer and the memory class. It's really just making methods um, from you know a composed class available directly on that parent class, and behind the scenes we inject you know some magical UDFs that, that delegate those out. I think you have to be a little careful anytime you do anything that has a lot of magic to it, just because this has the potential for someone looking at your code to not really be clear like. Like, where is this method coming from? How is this defined? I don't see it. You know, it's not coming from a super class. Uh, you know, they would have to understand how Wirebox delegates work to realize, oh, this method is being, in, you know, injected automatically. But that's what the Wirebox delegates are. Um, and like you just showed, there's a whole post that kind of goes through it. Yeah. And that's actually, I'm glad Adam was here because Adam was talking about something about delegates and, and Kotlin, I think. And I mean, so, oh, it's like Luis has been working on some of that for Coldbox. And he's like, well, I'm really curious yeah. how he's going to approach it. So it sounds like we got the Adam Cameron approval in this chat here. <laughs> so that's good. This sounds well, good. Yeah. But yeah, d definitely go check out that link, Adam. Give us a full report like I know you will. Um, but it's it's coming in uh, Wirebox 7, which is the Coldbox 7 stuff. So it's it not was kind of fun. Yeah, it was kind of fun to plan this because we sort of had an internal RFC with an Ortis where we talked about like, how should these work? You know, what features should they have? What should it look like? And we kind of kicked it around for a while before Luis finally hammered out uh, an implementation for it. So, yeah. Um, and, yeah. And that's sort of the key with a lot of this stuff is that we have, you know, we try to look whatever people are doing, throw it around, see what makes sense in Cold Fusion and what doesn't, because sometimes, you know, it doesn't apply quite the same way. And yeah. And then mm -hmm. eventually we'll, Luis will get inspired and go write a bunch and then we'll, we'll come back and sort of kick it around a bit more. So yeah. So if you've got any feedback on that, uh, that let us know, but you're definitely right about the trying to be too clever, you know, like having all this magic in their app does make it a little tougher sometimes. So, but it does, 
sound like a good way to use it. And I mean, if you have the the method at the top, you know, talk about injections and delegates and stuff, hopefully people will say, well, I wonder what this thing up here is doing and figure it out. But it's a, uh, it's pretty cool. Well, next up, uh, looks like you've done some work with the command box VNIC. So now SSL certificates are going to be PFX support, right? So we can yeah, do the support. We can put the, the public and the private key together instead of having two separate files and two separate instances of like all the references to them. So yeah, that's something I've wanted to do for a while. I've got, I got 16 tickets already when next version of command box. Um, and there's actually a 17th one I, I was working on last night. I'm in the middle of playing with now. Um, but yeah, PFX files are pretty common. I've noticed from people coming from a Windows IIS um, background, just in my experience, um, Command Box always required you to have a separate um, a DER format, uh, but a separate, you know, uh, public key and private key file. Uh, it's just the way it had been built. And a PFX format is actually just a key store. Is really all it is, um, which contains typically the private, the public key. Yeah. Um, so that always just created more work for people who had a PFX file. They would have to go figure out some, you know, arcane series of open SSL commands to be able to convert the PFX into the two different, you know, cert files. So uh, I wish I had done this years ago because it was only like 20 lines of code <laughs> to make it so command box could just uh, read the PFX files all by themselves. But that's going to be a nice little improvement for anybody doing uh, SSL work with command box. So I'm glad I finally hammered that one out. Yep, for sure. So Adam's saying to the business of technology, uh, mm -hmm. does support uh, CFML does support default implementations on interfaces though, mm -hmm. which is like interface driven multiple inheritance. Yeah. That's always interesting. Like, yeah, some other languages, they have a couple of different things and that's why I always got to translate in my head. Like what can we do here? What's different? What's the same? And so, but. yeah, default, default implementations always felt a little dirty for some reason. And I think, I always felt that way because it felt more around. It felt more like a workaround for the hole that Java had dug itself into, with you know a ton of core interfaces to the point where they were terrified to ever add a new method because they would break you know so many implementing classes, you know, in the new version. So that was kind of like their workaround to be able to add methods to interfaces without actually breaking anything, you know. But then interfaces really became more like an abstract class at that point. But anyway, that's it's a very interesting uh, conversation as far as the the use cases for the default method implementations. Yeah, for sure. It looks like a lot of people in there chatting today. It's good. So, uh, David's happy. He said, awesome. Thanks, Brad. And said, can't wait for the let's encrypt command box module, which we won't open that can of worms right now. Cause I know you had the whole chicken egg with that. So we'll leave that for another day. <laughs> I, I started, I was going to call it cert box. I started with let's encrypt command box module, uh, David, and I quit cause there was basically no way it was going to work, <laughs> at least not for local development. There were a whole bunch of caveats. So I was like, ah, this will be so much more pain. But yeah, we can talk about it on Slack because it was, it's, yeah. it sounded easy until I started working on it. And I was like, oh crap. Yeah. Chicken egg. But you call it chicken, Gavin. <laughs> Everybody. So new releases and updates. So we have uh, a few announcements for this week. So Lucy released the 5391166 stable, which is a, a minor um, bug fix release. Has a, a few of the bugs, and I'll share my screen for those who are watching. So um, it's available in a few different places, but it's, uh, yeah, a couple of null pointer exceptions, possible deadlocks. Um, Ints being turned as decimals, so the regression there. 
and add the ability, the possibility to find Boolean delegation via system. Boot, boot delegation. Oh, boot, sorry. I was like... Yeah, yeah. that's sort of really... Yeah, it's an OSGI thing. I don't really understand. I just know that it's a pain to deal with. Yep. So, so that's cool that Lucy's got that new update out. Um, it's really always weird to see I, the those versions pop up. Those like the numbers change. Like five three nine is still the same, but the the number after it changed, and everyone who's used to normal Simver always gets confused. And I know Brad always right, has to pull yeah. up the whole so, Lucy doesn't do Simver the way everyone else does Simver conversation. Well, everyone comes with a giant asterisk. If you're talking about like the node community, everyone is mostly a monolith, but the Java community has a lot of different ideas about Simvar. But yeah, with Lucy, the first number is not a major version. It's really like a paradigm um, number. So they only commit the major number when there's like a, a huge rewrite of the engine. The yeah. second number is really their major version. That's where they introduce breaking changes. The third number is really their minor version. The fourth number is basically a build, um, yeah. if you will. So you have to make sure you think of that, um, not in the terms if you're used to, you know, NPM flavor of semantic versioning yeah uh, i'm just i'm i'd like to point out that i, I am happy to see um fixes because i mean lucy six is still in development and has been for like fifty thousand years but i'm i'm glad to still see fixes being backported into the 5310 um which is i think like it's not release candidate but it's a, a beta of some kind um and then also back to 539 which is the current stable version um it's a lot of times it will happen you know lucy will always just put the fixes in the latest version and be like, ah, you should upgrade, which is like, okay, but it's nice to see them backboarding, especially these bug fixes. Yeah. Um, Cause a lot of times somebody gets stuck on five, three, nine or five, three, eight, and maybe there's a breaking change. There's a good reason why they can't update. And it's important for them to be able to get those bug fixes. So kudos yeah. to Lucy. I think that's largely Zach Spitzer, you know, putting the work into tra tracking all that stuff down. Yeah, for sure. I think it's a good thing. Uh, absolutely. So it looks like, uh, Scott's saying it seems like null pointer exceptions errors happen throughout many Lucy versions. So what causes an MPE? <laughs> well, that's, that's a pretty big question right there. That's like ask, asking what causes a car not to start. I mean, that's an incredibly generic classification of error that it simply means something was null and there's near limitless number of possible scenarios that can lead to something being null that wasn't supposed to be null. Uh, so it's it's not like all NPEs have a related root cause. It's yeah, that's just a really common symptom to a whole variety of possible um problems. Yeah, I try to do something, but that something doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I always see them as well. They pop up and I hate it when they're an ORM because then I'm really confused because it's already confusing, then it's <laughs> no point or exception inside of ORM makes it even worse. <laughs> ORM is already confusing and MPEs are already confusing to troubleshoot. So you have like the nexus of the most yeah. possible confusing things come yeah. together. Okay. So we have a, a, a relevant uh, talk about an update. So in the October, 2022 CF updates, um, they removed the mm -hmm. log viewer from the CF admin. And so apparently yeah, and you I'd... can restore it, but at your own risk. Oh, I had not seen it could be restored. I was kind of surprised by that. I mean, I assumed there was obviously some vulnerability in it. Um, Adobe, you know, declined to say why they had removed it or what the vulnerability was. I was a little surprised in that I thought it wouldn't be like that hard to be able to, you know, properly encode any output such that, you know, potentially malicious text in the log file would be safe to display. But obviously it appears... Adobe felt that they were unable or incapable of 
properly escaping uh, whatever text might be in a log file, and so they just literally removed the entire feature. Now maybe that wasn't the, maybe that wasn't the the attack vector. Maybe there was some completely different vector that allowed you to open up arbitrary files and view them in the log viewer. I, I don't know. Um, unfortunately, most all the CVEs in the last Adobe update, and there was quite a few of them, um, weren't even published uh, when the updates came out. And even when I looked at them, they were all just incredibly vague. Which I know I complain when people put too much details in CPEs, but I'm also like super curious and I've been dying to know just exactly what some of these things were. But I, I know that there are a few people in Slack uh, basically saying, hey, I don't have access to servers. You know, my log viewer is like the only window I have into what's going on. And that basically went away after the update. So. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was definitely a, an issue. And so like Charlie said, basically what he did was he took a backup of his folders before he ran the update. Because usually the backup, the updates actually make backups for you. But in this case, right. those folders weren't there. So he's actually basically, he got a copy of it before he updated and he has those folders available in a zip file that you can download. And he says he wasn't sure if he should show people or not or share it or not because, you know, it is a possible vulnerability, but it's your choice but, if you choose to use it or not. But you, did you he know. recommend replacing the entire CFID administrator folder or did he just piecemeal a couple files to get it back? I think it's just a couple of folders. So, um, that Let's definitely see. sounds like it's something a little dangerous. Yeah, so you find the administrative folder with your C Fusion instances within the admin folder. Find its logging and log viewer folders. Copy those folders to a unit aim, and then extract the two folders from the zip, putting them in place where you remove the other one. So, in other words, they have folders in the new version, but they're kind of like just dud ones. And so, if you put the zip ones in that place, you're just replacing the logging folder and the yeah, log viewer folder. So there's going to be a lot of a lot of caveats that go with that. It's going to be a little dangerous in that. I mean, there's a good chance that at some point uh, those are going to be, there's going to be incompatible with the core of cold fusion based on what kind of codes in them. I, I really wish we could see the, uh, the cold fusion administrator, you know, cold fusion code. Yeah. And, you know, we would have the ability to remediate any things that we, we thought were in there on our own blindly copying an old version really makes me nervous, but yeah, I appreciate I mean, that, documenting that exactly. Well, hopefully Adobe took it out as a short-term fix until they have time to remediate it. And then they'll replace it with a version that's safe. That's, that's what I think people are hoping for. So hopefully this is a short-term fix, but again, you need to make sure that you actually get it. Uh, and you pay attention to that, put an issue in your bug tracker or something that makes sure that you go back and look later to see what to update those, those photos, you know, don't be one of those and, things where you change and, it and forget you did. And, you know, for what it's worth, if you work at a shop where you don't have the ability to RDP or SSH into your production servers, there's you know, a number of tools out there, especially with the advent of, of Docker's popularity, um, like the Elasticsearch Cabana stuff that have, you know, file beats, um, you know, clients that will send log files to an external server where you can parse through um, sumo logic kind of stuff. So I know sometimes it can be difficult to get those things through your ops team, um, but there's a there's a lot of, of, of tools out there explicitly for the purpose of shipping your your log files somewhere where you can get your hands wrapped around them, um, which is probably a much better long term solution than, you know, trying to get the log viewer functionality back into the administrator as as out of the box convenient as that may be. Yep, and remember, a lot of those tools have like free tiers for your development. If it's local development, you're more ooh, concerned about ooh. as well. You know what? This is a good but time for a plug for Logbox. the latest version of Fusion Reactor, which oh. has its own version, basically, of 
log shipping. I hate to use the word log shipping as makes me think of SQL Server, but <laughs> the latest version of Fusion Reactor has their own basic equivalent of that. Um, and uh, they only pull some log files by default. Um, they have uh, the ability to go in and specify basically like globbing patterns where you can have it send additional log files. So mm-hmm. just uh, another note, because because uh, people are people using Cold Fusion are more likely to already have Fusion Reactor in the mix, and that may be a functionality they're not aware of they can tap into yeah. right now. That's cool. Okay. Well, um, also just a quick reminder, CB Wire, we had a 2.1 release. Uh, we talked about it last week, so we'll keep it there. But uh, Grant is doing some pretty cool stuff for CB Wire. I actually had a meeting with him last week, and we went over some of the new stuff that he's adding, so the 2.2 stuff and uh, what we're doing. Um, he's got some cool ideas, and um, I'm excited about what we could do with it. So we're going to be tapping into more of the CB security stuff and JWT for more secured uh pieces but all within cp wire i mean really the stuff he's doing you really don't need an api you can really do a lot of this from cold fusion now it's pretty dang slick i'm more and more impressed every time i talk to him so check do out we, CB do we wire. have a cfcast series yet on, on cb wire nope but um he does want to work on that soon but the cb wire right. examples and i'll actually post that real quick it's a pretty cool little uh example repo and he keeps adding to it there's a ton of stuff there i mean he showed me the other day where basically you can keep track of the seconds watched in a vimeo um recording because like the vimeo javascript tool actually like has announcements where it emits every second that someone's watching so you can actually have cb wire watch that and update your you know update your information so when someone comes back to your cfcast video for example it'll know exactly where you were when you left and stuff like that and it's really simple to, to tie into. Um, he's doing a lot of cool stuff with it. And coding with the Kiwi, starting in the new year, I'm going to be working with Grant to rebuild the the developer feud Box Wars app, but in CB Wire instead of Quasar with API. So we're going to actually try and reproduce that in Cold Fusion without an API, without a JavaScript app, but all CB Wire. So it'll be kind of cool uh, experience walking through that. So, anyways, we're. A lot of cool stuff. So go check that out. Keep an eye on what Grant's doing there. It's really cool if you don't want to have to dive into APIs and JavaScript frameworks and stuff and still get the same benefits. It really is. It's getting pretty damn cool. Okay. So webinars, meetups, and workshops. And for those of you that want to see Audis' events easily on your Google Calendar, we have a link now where that we can basically add your calendar uh, or add it into your calendar. So I'll share that in the chat here. But basically, just we'll have all our webinars because remember, we're starting to do a lot more of them. So um, we have a few more coming out. And this week, uh, we're going to be doing our first episode of the Audis Software Craftsmanship Book Club, Patreons only. So it'll be November the 11th, 2 p.m. Central, and it's going to be every second Friday of the month, essentially. We're starting with Clean Code, a handbook of agile software craftsmanship by Robert Martin or Uncle Bob. And so we'll meet on... <laughs> So we'll meet on Zoom monthly. We'll use the community forum for the patrons to discuss the book. So we have a link there. If you are a Patreon member and you don't have access, ping me and I'll make sure that you get into it. But um, the cool thing is, is that it'll basically have all the, you know, all the discussion, everything there. And we're going to be working through that book. We're going to try and start with like chapter one, which is basically what is clean code and why does it matter? Um, we'll try and work on that this week. And then from there, we'll, we'll move on. But part of the whole experience too is that we want to be rewriting all the java examples in there to cfml so adam cameron's like oh god that's this friday so i guess he forgot he was going to be 
but I did invite him to come join that as well. And hopefully like Brad or Luis or some other people um, can, you know, come in there. And that's the cool thing about it is to try and share, you know, our ideas and thoughts on clean code and what's relative to ColdFusion and what's not. Because a lot of stuff yeah, in it think- is Java and, you know, like you can't overload. I mean, you can't have, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things that are different, right? <laughs> yeah. Clean, clean code is a great book. I, we went through it. All the developers at one of my previous companies went through it, read it as part of a kind of a book club internally. And it was, we didn't always agree with everything, but everything in there was good for conversation to, to yeah. you know, talk about what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. And if you're at least thinking about why you're writing the crap you're writing, you're usually in a better place than you were. Yeah. <laughs> if you can at least have some justification for, for what you, you think you're doing. But Yeah. And it's like you said, it's a good book. Um, a lot of good things to think about. Not everything's perfect. And, you know, one of the things they actually say in the book, which I liked, is the fact that, like, you know what? This is similar to like martial arts, right? Like, there's all these different studios that sort of evolved and grown their own version of the, their martial arts. And they've learned from different teachers. And just because, you know, that you don't do it quite the same as somebody else doesn't mean that the other person is not the right way or the correct way. This is a group of software developers that released this, and this is what they think, and this is what is working for them. And so, you know, a lot of people are using this, but doesn't mean it's perfect. And there's other, you know, methodologies, other ideas out there, and you can learn from lots of people and then take what's best and move on. And, you know, and that's kind of the goal is to get everyone's opinion on a lot of the stuff. So. But anyway, so that'll be Friday, this Friday, the 11th at uh, 2 Central or noon Pacific. Um, yeah, and <laughs> Scott in the chat just said, which is not to say that there is not a wrong way of doing it. Because, yeah, if you look at your code, <laughs> you can probably see a wrong way. But, yeah, there's multiple to do it the right exact... ways, there's multiple wrong ways. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited about this. Like I said, it's something I wanted to do for a while. And I've actually been reading a lot of his other books as well and some other company uh, books like the software development at Google, which is a really great book too. So, but anyway, we're going to start this Friday. So hopefully the patrons can join us. We'll record it. We'll make it available for you guys to see what you missed. And hopefully you'll want to become a patron so you can join the next one. So, okay. So you want to tell us about the oldest webinar coming up uh, later in the month, the third Friday of the month, which is our webinar day. We have uh, Daniel Garcia covering api testing with postman yep um i don't know if we have a, a description though i think it's probably pretty, so yeah pretty obvious where he's going with that yeah i mean basically we're looking at testing the api he's done a few talks about api testing and tools like postman and everything so this is more of a practical like okay this is what i'm doing this is how i set it up and he's gonna be looking at um i think he's gonna be looking at the hfmc rest template for APIs because everyone can download that code. It's easily accessible. It has some swagger docs already and everything else. So he's going to show you how to get it set up, how to automatically, you know, put the JWT into a variable. So as you're making calls on your site, you don't have to worry about copying that code to all the bearer token places, etc., and show you how to actually do a little testing in your API with it, but just how to get it set up and actually use it. So he's talked about why you should use it and how it's a cool tool. This one, he's actually going to do a practical walkthrough so you can actually start using it. So I think that'll be a, a really good session. And then uh, apparently uh, this this guy, Brad Wood, that's hosting with me is uh, going to be on the CF Hawaii meetup coming up soon. You want to tell us about that? That's what they tell me. Um, I think John's actually in the in the chat here. John Barrett, the yep. manager of the Hawaii uh, user group. But yeah, he asked me to uh, do a presentation just on command box. He's been getting into command box himself and learning cf config and he wanted to present that to the hawaii user group 
which I I mean the presentations are online, so even though it's the Hawaii user group, I'm pretty certain anybody can can tune in. Um, so I'll gladly talk um, about Rambox, the drop of a hat. So uh, oh, there he is in the chat. Hi, John. Uh, so yeah, um, just gonna it'll it'll be starting hopefully kind of from ground zero. What is Command Box? How to use it? How to you know inject it into your developer workflow? Um, you know the basic stuff you need to know to be able to configure. Um, uh, you know, command box server, get familiar with, uh, with CF config. So anyway, it should be fun. It's going to be similar to other talks that I've given, but, um, feel free to tune in. And of course I always, uh, am open for questions during the, the, um, presentation. So assuming we're on some, uh, medium where I can see the chat, I'll also interact with any questions people have during that. So looking forward to that one. Yep. And so I'll get, um, uh that links already sent out. But then uh, we also have the CF Summit Online um, sessions that we, we talked about last week. So Adobe is uh, getting all the speakers from CF Summit to represent their sessions online so they can stream it and record it. And uh, we mentioned that last week, as I said, but we've got a few announced already. So I know there's at least two. And so uh, the first one I think is kicking it off is Charlie Earhart's gonna be doing how the Adobe CF Docker images have evolved. That's going to be Wednesday, November 16th at 12 to 1 p.m. Eastern. And then there's a link on how to register for that. And then uh, it looks like you're doing your talk on November the 30th from 1 to 2 Eastern. And you're going to be speaking about message queues for RabbitMQ, right? Yeah. And I just added that into the uh, into the show notes, as you noticed. Um, I don't know if Adobe has published these anywhere, but I they will just be. yesterday. Uh, okay. Yeah. Just yesterday, I was I was emailing with Approva and Kishore, um, finalizing the time and the date on that. So yeah, it'll be the same talk I gave at CF Summit, but uh, online for anybody who missed it. And yep. it's just kind of a, an introduction under RabbitMQ, message queues, what they look like, bunch of uh, example code, um, and unfortunately, I could talk for like an entire day on all the cool stuff RabbitMQ does, but uh, only given an hour, it's basically just kind of how to get started and then point you towards the documentation where you can learn more. <laughs> yep. So we have a few more in here in the meetus.adobeevents.com. And so you can see Charlie's one is on the 16th. I don't see your one in here yet. Um, but I do see some, you know, other bits and pieces slowly sneaking into here. So they must be getting it out. So as they update it, we'll, we'll let you guys know, but we know those two, I think there's actually a few more that have already been confirmed because we, as a speaker, we got an email saying, Hey, which dates do you want? But these ones are taken. So well, I see quite a few in there already. So we'll get I, yeah, more I got the same coming. email and I was kind of thinking, what are they going to do if like four people all reply back at the same time at the same date? But I don't know. <laughs> Not yep. my circus, not my monkeys. Yep, exactly. <laughs> but if you are wanting to sign up to Charlie's, I'll share that link here with you. Um, and then, yeah, as we get the links for Brad's and everybody else's, we will share them as well. So pretty cool. And then we also have the Autos Office Hours. So uh, last week we had our very first Autos Office Hours. We used to have the cold box connection way back in the day. And so we're trying to renew that initiative. So basically we're trying to get at least three or four Artusians in a room and then, uh, you know, post it out there for people to come and join and ask some questions, you know, sort of like a normal open office hour, like you used to have at university or high school, where you can go talk to the teacher and, and ask. And so, um, last week we had a few people come in and some of them just wanted to hang out and say hi. And some people, you know, had a couple little things. And so we're looking at some view three updates with Webpack and trying to get view three running, um, along with Elixir. So 
that's one of the things that popped up there. But, you know, basically really open, friendly chit-chat. And uh, we have a link for you guys to go register for the next one, which will be December 2nd, 11 a.m. Central. And so the last one, Daniel, myself, and Grant were in there. And uh, we had a couple other people pop in as well, like uh, Dan Card jumped in as well. But the goal is to get at least you know three or four Ortuzians there. So Daniel's the one hosting it, and he'll be inviting uh, various Autist members to join. And if you have any questions, reach out to Daniel Garcia and let him know in advance, and he'll try and uh, rope the right Autist person in there. If you're going to talk about Command Box, we'll probably see if Brad's available. But uh, if we're talking about, you know, elastic search or something we'll get michael bourne or john clausen in there you know try to find the the, the best uh well the expert in our team for that technology so um but that's going to be december 2nd 11 a.m central first friday of the month so and then also i didn't know to this but pete's been advertising his uh cold fusion security training writing secure cfml um mm-hmm. for a, a little while I, I missed it so we're finally adding it sorry pete but yeah uh, i I saw it a few weeks back, but he had kind of slipped it out under the radar. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, slippery little booger. Must be the security stuff he does, you know, sneaky, sneaky. <laughs> but yeah, so he's going to be doing that Dece- uh, Tuesday, December the 13th. So it's two blocks. Um, it'll be three hours on the uh, Tuesday and then three hours on the Wednesday. And so six hours in total. And I think this is basically his training security that he's, he's done for several years now he's updated it and improved it obviously but i i took it a long time ago at cf summit and really really thought it was pretty awesome so i think it's uh well worth it it is 8.99 for the early bird discount um and so if you guys check that out um you can get that otherwise it'd be 9.99 closer to the time so um pete's great he always scares the everything out of you but uh the good thing is, is that you usually <laughs> learn from it and it'll make you a little more vigilant going forward and you know make your servers more secure in the process so he should do some kind of training where he tries to hack your site as part of a training and if he can't find a vulnerability then you get a refund or something i don't know just throwing it out there yeah we could just make it so it's like html blocked locked <laughs> or it's a big image or yeah do something where you can't get in we'll just block all ips today <laughs> but yeah so that's uh that's a good session coming up and then of course we have the adobe workshops and webinars as well so the road to fortuna is going to be on november 23rd Uh, so they moved that from december into november so right before thanksgiving you guys can find out all about adobe cold fusion uh fortuna which is the am i the only one who who hears carl orth's oh fortuna in my head as soon as you say that oh maybe it's just me yeah, I don't know what it is, so no, but I definitely it's don't have a, it in my head. It's, it's classical music. Yeah. You would yeah. have to be... Okay, Adam says, nope. You, no. I guess you would have to be cultured. Yeah, that's not me. You should know that already. <laughs> but And then if you want to find out more, uh, again, we have a couple of the Cold Fusion uh, ones. Apparently there's a summit online on the 12th, too, so I think one of the other speakers is talking um, on the 12th of january but we just don't know who yet so but anyway so lots of cool stuff coming up from adobe um mark the card is going to do one december but there's gonna be lots of other stuff coming okay that's a lot of stuff let's move on to cfcast so cfcast is our online video tutorials uh, we have a lot of great content and we released my webinar step up your testing from a couple weeks back recently on there and we also have every video for itb but only for itb ticket holders right now 
you will be able to watch it if you're a paid subscriber in December. We'll be releasing the rest of the videos. And we now have, what, 48 videos and nine hours for the Cold Box Masterclass, which is now free. So it's not newly released, but it's newly available for free. You're going to so, have a lot of stuff to watch in December is basically what we're saying. Yeah, tons and tons <laughs> of content. Um, so definitely worth you know, checking into that. And of course, we have our Forgebox module of the week from the podcast and the VS Code Hint Tip and Trick of the Week that we release every week as well on CFCast. So you guys can just watch those. Don't want to listen to us? That's fine. You can just skip it and go straight to the, the VS Code series and watch all the ones we've done this year, pretty much, which is a lot. And then we're working on some new series too. So Eric's working on the whole box Elixir one. Daniel Garcia is working on a getting started with content box. I'm working on a boxification. So boxifying third party libraries and uh, a lot of good content coming soon, but we've got plenty there already. So, okay. You want to tell us a little bit about some of these upcoming conferences, Brad? Yeah, we've got Deploy from DigitalOcean, which is November 15th and 16th. It is a virtual conference. Uh, we like DigitalOcean. We do our hosting there at Ordis, so um, that's a fun one. We have Into the Box Latam, Latin America, which Are is you... going to be December. What? Who? Where? I was going to say, you going this year? I I am. I will be down in, in El Salvador for ITB Latam. I was just talking with Luis this morning, asking if we were going to get the tickets for that, because <laughs> December is such a busy month for all the end-of-school uh, choir concerts and band concerts. I'm going to miss one of each to be there. Yeah, so I'm going to be down there uh, December 7th um, in Central America um, at the Hyatt Centric. Uh, Centric. Anyway, so that should be fun. Um, I'm hoping there's enough people who speak better English than I speak Spanish. <laughs> I'm sure they will. Um, I had a great time last time I was in El Salvador. And I'm super excited to go back and get me some like ceviche. Yeah. Uh, we also have UJS Amsterdam 2023. So that's in. Upcoming February 9th and 10th. Um, Theater Amsterdam. So, um, is this an in person conference? Yeah, it's in person. Ooh. Um, they actually have blind tickets available now. So, before they announce the speakers and workshops, I'll share my screen for those watching. I kind of like, I their think, website. I think Bill is probably the closest person who's live with us right now to this thing. Yep. So, it looks like a, a lot of fun. Uh, 2,000 people from 50 countries, apparently. So, wow. About the yeah. size of uh, Dev Nexus. Nice. Yep. Speaking of Dev Nexus, I think that's next on the list, isn't it? What? I don't know. I haven't scrolled down that far. Yep. So, oh, look. Dev Nexus. Dev uh, Nexus. The call for papers. Yes. The call yeah. for papers ends on November 15th. So, about a week from today. Well, I don't know. Today. It's a week from now, give or take a few days. Uh, so, if you were planning on going to Dev Nexus and you were going to submit a topic, uh do so i was just telling gavin today they have a lot of like soft skills agile development javascript frameworks even though it's primarily a java conference um it's a pretty fun conference to uh to speak at as well just because they have so much stuff yeah um but yeah the the adobe i'm sorry the adobe the ordis people um uh, will be there at the conference hopefully some of us will be speaking um they never ever accept michael fusion talks but hey <laughs> You've done a lot of other talks, though. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I've spoken multiple years there um, on password hatching, best practices. Um, you know, we talked on rabbit queues, all sorts of stuff. So it's, yep. a, it's a fun conference to be to. Uh, it's uh, April 4th through 6th. They also have a full day of workshops every year um, as well, which are a pretty good deal. Yep. And then we have Vue.js Live. Um, yep. Ooh, online as well as London, UK. So this is going to be May 5th 
and eight. Is that supposed to be fifth through the eight? No, it's, it's not the fifth and the eight. That's kind of a weird one. I think it is actually. Really? <laughs> that's, well, actually, they changed the dates May. now. So now it's May 12th and 15th. So, oh, oh my gosh. I'll what just, are they doing to us? Well, it's, that's actually it's, worse because it's that'll clash with into the box. Well, so we'll have to figure it out. 35 can, speakers, 10 workshops. Yep. 10,000 joining locally, uh, sorry, globally, and 300 luckies in, in London. Get your early bird tickets. And the cool thing is, watch the recordings from last year right on the site. So it's nice that they have those available. Sweet. And speaking of conferences happening in May, we have our Into the Box 2023, our 10th edition. I can't yep. believe it'll be the 10th year we've done Into the Box. That's going to be May 17th, 18th, and 19th, what we're looking at. So we're finally moving from the end of the year in September back to the May time, trying to not avoid, uh, trying to avoid the CF Summit, the possibility of CF Camp that happened there in uh, September, October. So, um, as soon as the hotel confirms our availability, we should be finalizing those dates, and we should be doing the call for speakers very, very soon. Yep, I know. So, I think we're waiting just for the new logo. Where we got the 2023 logo that we'll be slamming on the call for speakers, and it should be out any day now. It's really close. So, um, start thinking about it, and we'll be having blind tickets um, coming out soon. But our goal is to get all the speakers' uh, sessions and workshops, ideas, and everything all decided so we can release it. So basically, start of the next year, we'll have everything announced and solid. That way, you guys can make your final decisions. I know a lot of people don't like going to a conference blind. Uh, we're lucky mm -hmm. with Into the Box. A lot of people just want to be there anyway because they know it's going to be great. And so that's really great to see that. But um, we are going to try and do some different stuff, though. It's the 10th edition. We want to spice it up a little bit. Um, and so we talk about maybe doing like a Raspberry Pi hackathon workshop. We talked about doing little little things after Happy Box where basically we, you know, bring out the birds of a feather type thing from uh, CF Objective. We could do some mm. little, some pie hacking, developer wars, um, games. What well. if we just had a room with just pie, like apple pie, cherry pie, apricot pie? And raspberry pie. Yeah, I, I think we could make it the pie room. I think that's a really good idea, Brad. I like it. We'd have the pie room and then the pie room. Yeah. So anyway, if you got ideas for workshops, like last year, um, we put a tweet vote out there and, uh, and you guys voted for the Vue.js one, the Quasar session that I did. And, you know, we got a lot of good responses in the, the polls and a lot of people showed up for that one. So if you guys have ideas on what you'd like to see as a workshop, let us know. We're, we're still deciding. So yeah, um, we had a ton of workshops last year and they were all the ones the community voted to have. So it was, it was great. Yep. And yeah, if, obviously if you guys are voting, uh, Hopefully you'll vote because you want to see it, but hopefully you'll vote because you'll want to go to it too. Don't just vote if you know you're not going to come. But we still want to know what's popular. But if everyone who's coming likes something and everyone who's not coming likes something else, it might not be as helpful. But uh, CF Camp, uh, again, they're still trying for summer 2023. Um, I haven't heard anything official yet both ways, uh, on or not. So we're hopeful. So fingers crossed we should have some news for you soon about that because I know with conferences, you got to plan ahead. So um yeah, they are doing their due diligence, and hopefully we'll have an answer for you soon. And if there, if you need more conferences, comps.tech is a lot of cool stuff. So, oh man, feels like I've been talking for hours. Blog suites and videos of the week. You want to start with the first one, which we can kind of gloss over because it's just Luis talking yeah, about. Yeah, we talked about this earlier. Uh, it's the uh, Wirebox 7 Delegates, the power of new Wirebox 7 Delegates. Traits yeah. for Cold Fusion CF Mellow here, composable reusability to modernize your CFCs. So, 
But the next one is another tweet from Luis. And yes, this TV is, Security V3. So Coming. we have a new logo. Ooh. Oh, including the new security firewall visualizer. So, yeah, we've got this little activity log here in the visualizer. We've got this little you, visualizer tool. You guys wouldn't believe that we go and, through to make a new logo. We're like voting and Slack and the design team will make like 10 different ideas. Yep. And so you can see your, you can visualize your sittings. You can visualize what's happening. Uh, a lot is coming in this version three of the CPU security and the visualizer is going to be pretty cool. Yeah. Luis has been going crazy with CB security. I know he sat down and looked at just a whole bunch of like Laravel projects to see everything they're doing and was just adding features like crazy to CB security just to try to cover as much, as much ground. Um, he really is, is wanting to make CB security be a module you can drop in and just have as much uh, capability as possible. So that's yep. exciting for sure. Yep, for sure. So it's going to have a lot of cool stuff in there. And the, yeah, the, when Luis moved to Malaga, Spain, nobody realized that that meant that he was going to have a few hours about Slack bugging him. So he's yeah. getting so productive. It's really great to <laughs> have the old crazy that, Luzi. Yeah, that European time zone where like, we're all asleep and he's getting up and starting his day and he can just do whatever he wants unfettered until we all come online and start bugging him. Yeah, except for when I stay up late and he's still he's getting up and I'm still on at like one in the morning. Oh. And then he's like, oh, yeah, you're still here? Like, oh man. <laughs> yeah, when, when I stay up till one or two and I see I see people coming online in Europe, I know I, I need to be in bed. Yep. So also we had the holiday season announcement of the Coldbox Masterclass, so that blog post is in there. And then um, next up we have one from Ben Nadal. So this is new, so we'll talk about this one. So this is proxying okay, gravatar images for better caching so this is an interesting one so gravatar is one of the the more popular uh you know avatar services out there and it came from the whole wordpress thing and stuff but apparently just using them directly um your lighthouse scores are going to suffer and so basically what he did was uh you know proxy through cold fusion so we could apply some cache control hitters to help improve that so this sort of talks you know, I, through this process. I haven't tried it, but is it wrong that the first thing I thought was I could probably do this with a command box server rule and not have to even touch Cold Fusion? Well, that's nice if you can. Yeah, I mean, and, I mean, because I can do a reverse proxy in command box, and I wouldn't even have to touch Lucy or Adobe to be able to proxy it. Um, I mean, you could also do the same thing with any actual web server, but yeah. Um, it's possible he's doing some he's doing some extra logic that he needs to hit with cold fusion. Um, Not a lot. Which, I mean, he's just adding so... caching hitters, really. I mean, that's what oh, he's doing. actually looking at his code, it looks like he's taking the member ID and looking up the member's email address and hashing it, and then he creates it. Yeah, but still, if you have the email address, yeah. I mean, essentially anything that's going to to the Gravatar avatar link, like you said, you could just redirect. You could just yeah, it's kind it of a shame it. they don't have any configurability to uh, to change the headers they sent back. Um, but, I mean, Gravatar is like a free service, so I guess you can't complain that much. Yeah, but I found it interesting, though, because I was thinking, what if you could just use a CDN? And so he talks about how he tried to cache behind Cloudflare CDN. Um, you know, so he was trying to use that, but it wasn't quite that simple, apparently. Cloudflare caches on file extensions or whatever, so... But you can do yeah, it with I mean, page rules, but it's not on the free plan, you know. The un the unfortunate thing is, you're kind of like sort of defeating the purpose 
and and I mean not the main purpose of Gravatara, but just the idea of having you know a CDN out there that you know people's browsers are all just directly going off to the Gravatar site to get you know the the Gravatars. But now when you bounce it all through your server, you know you're taking that load on to be able to modify it, which sort of sucks. But I mean, I don't know if there's much of a of a better answer to that to be honest. Yeah. No, for sure. But anyway, it was a good post and made me think a little bit more. You know, those lighthouse scores are important. I actually found a tool last week that did some pretty cool scans and, and everything, and I should probably share that. Uh, I'll try and find that and share it next week because it was a pretty cool tool that you can run on your sites and give you a, a, big, a big list of you know, accessibility things and scores for all sorts of different bits and pieces and, you know, some ways to resolve it, you know. So there's a lot of tools out there. But this one was free, and it did a pretty good report. I like the fact that the report had all the steps to mitigate it too, so you could actually learn from it and share it with the team. But uh, we also had a, a LinkedIn post um, from Luis, which talked about um, the first meetup in Malaga, Spain, by the sounds of it. Did you, did you check that out? You know, I saw Luis tweet about it, but I didn't realize that he made Jorge actually uh, present. Yeah, so Jorge um, from Ordis was basically teaching people about different licenses for open source software. And then they had some uh, local developers actually introduce their project. So that was kind of cool. So they have the meetup. So they were and talking at Jay on the Beach. Yeah. Bringing developers, DevOps, and data scientists together around big data. Yeah. Huh. So, hmm. yeah. So, this is starting the grassroots stuff and making progress over there. So good to see. So we're, we're invading Spain. Maybe I shouldn't every say day, that. Every day we wake, <laughs> we wake up and we say, what are we going to do today, Luis? And he says, try to take over the world. <laughs> anyway, so. Yeah. So now next you know. up, we had one from Charlie. So this one was enabling Cold Fusion to switch using Java's regex engine. So um, a few people have issues using the regular expressions in CFML, which are actually Perl's style, if you didn't know. Um, but you can tell Adobe to say, hey, I want to use Java's instead. It's been impossible for quite a while, and it was introduced in 2018's Update 5, but it's built into 2021. So and basically... Lucy, can... actually, did he talk about Lucy? At all? Oh, it's on the Cold Fusion blog, so yeah. no, he wouldn't talk about Lucy. Yep. Um, oh, 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 no, he did, he did. At the very bottom, for those who may wonder, uh, Vince Post sparked Lucy to add the feature in 538. Because I was going to say Lucy Ooh. also added this feature, but... Very I cool. can't. I can't believe Charlie had the gall to mention Lucy on the. I can't believe they approved it. <laughs> no. Well, it, 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 it would be it would be unlike Charlie to leave out any possible relevant details. So. No, Charlie. I mean, Charlie's fair to everybody involved. You know, I mean, he his goal is to spread information and help people, and that's what he does. So. Speaking of Charlie, though, there's another one here. Um, and so it's just basically just talking about his session, how he's going to be doing the how Adobe. CF Docker images have evolved at CF Online, sorry, CF Summit Online. Um, and then Nolan actually had a little blog post about um, the training for the Coldbox Masterclass. So yep. I yep. like this because he actually does, uh, you know, give some reasons. And like I said, it's free. It's free. Um, basically, they're short videos, you know. It's real bite-sized chunks and everything else. And, I mean, he worked on it a long time, you know, back and forth. Because, obviously, Nolan does a lot of work with a lot of people. He works with different frameworks. He does Framework 1 and, and everything else as well. So, he's not like Luis where he, you know, like he leaves, lives, breathes, and, you know, sleeps cold box. And so, he wanted to make sure it was open and, and easy to digest for everybody. So, 
Um, I think it's a, a cool little take. And again, he did put a lot of time into this and, and help us build this. So it's nice to see him thanking us and, and sharing that out there too. And, and it's funny, he, he spread it on Twitter and everyone's like, thanks, Nolan. Thanks, Nolan. He's like, well, I appreciate the thanks, but it's not me that's thinking it free. <laughs> so, and then, uh, we also mentioned the, the open SSL cold fusion. So we posted that already. And yep. then, uh, this other one here, I'll share my screen and you can tell us about what sparked this little tweet thread that you had. <laughs> Um, I don't know. You're gonna you're gonna bring that up, Um, yeah, it was interesting. Somebody uh had uh, we'll we'll I'll say what they said. We'll talk about what the conversation was. He said he lost a lot of respect in the past job sticking with Cold Fusion, even to the point um he was moved sideways in a new project manager who came in with PHP to the new project. Uh, but he said he left, and seven years later, the Cold Fusion still runs their business, and the PHP project is dead and buried. Um, it's funny. Uh the conversation was kind of just talking about how you know old languages uh kind of just never go away sometimes the, there was an original tweet which is still being retweeted today um this original tweet um sent by some person i don't know was gotten vic vic 2800 retweets twenty thousand likes well basically kind of joking you know 1995 php is dead learn confusion 2022 php is dead learn asp you know and every few years people will say you know switch technologies and the whole point is you know php is still around it's still evolving it's still in use um so i sent my own tweet which sadly did not get nearly three thousand retweets and twenty thousand likes i can't imagine why um but i just replaced the php with cfml um in my tweet and i replaced cold fusion with php just to kind of be funny because i mean cold fusion is the same age as php it has a lot of the same backstory as far as kind of being hated on as a language and also sticking around even though cold fusion you know is not nearly as big as as PHP is. Uh, but anyway, it, it sparks some interesting conversation just talking about, you know, people who've been using Cold Fusion for a long time and how uh, how the technologies tend to, to stick around for for a while, even though there's a there's new and shiny stuff that comes out. And obviously we we learn new frameworks, we learn new languages, we you know keep up a technology, but we don't just dump a technology because a new one came out. So it yeah. was a it was a fun thing on, on Twitter. Yeah. So that was I thought we'd share that, but I like the post that, yeah. I guess it says two things, right? Cold Fusion's not as bad as everybody thinks it is because it can still run your business. And <laughs> the whole idea of let's just bring in another language and rewrite all our logic and everything else and replace it because uh, usually those fail too. And get... Adam Cameron mentioned Cobol in the chat. The last Cold Fusion shop that I worked at here in Kansas City, their company ran on Cobol. It ran on an AS400 with an IB, IBM DB2 database and pretty much everything was written in Cobol. Yeah, that's it. It was interesting. Yeah, there's a a lot of good a lot of good stuff out there. I mean, the thing is, it's like it's really hard to replace everything, especially if things are you know moving on and, and improving. And I mean, one of the stories inside of the Clean Code first chapter talks about you know the whole Greenfield project where everyone's like, this code is terrible, you know. So we gotta <laughs> we gotta do a new project. So you get a tiger team and they work on all this stuff and they you know try to work hard to improve stuff, but they're trying to keep up with the other team that's doing new stuff. And it sounds like Ben Adele's story at where he's working. Uh, you know, in the, in the end, like by the time that the the project is done the tiger team people left and new people are in and then they think that code is crap and they want to rewrite it again. And <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a cycle. It's a vicious cycle. Yeah. So it's one of those types of things, but, um, Ooh, can I spin up cobalt with command box? You know what? If there's a Java port of cobalt, you can, uh, there is a PHP servlet port, um, 
where you can run PHP code in Java. And I have actually played with that with Command Box before. Starting up, starting it up as a war and running PHP code in Command Box. But I don't know. I, I wonder don't if know we can get really... Laravel running under Command Box. That'd be fun. I I I do know that the because the shop <laughs> the shop that I worked at that did COBOL, they did keep current with their versions, right? Like their AS four hundred used to fill the entire server room, like physically filled the room. And when I worked there, it was down to like this much of a rack server. I'm holding my hands about two feet apart, right? Um, and I remember them telling me you could you could run Java on the modern like COBOL servers. Um, I just don't know if it goes the other way around. <laughs> yeah. So Adam's saying Joe Ball. <laughs> yeah, Joe Ball. Yeah, funny. Well, uh, all right. You got a tweet from me. Um, yep, and I jumped straight to the article that you talked about. So. All right. Yeah. If anyone's caught out by Microsoft 365's removal of plain text passwords to check Exchange Mail, um, I just fixed this for a client. Um, it's funny, uh, I was working, we had a client and they use CFIM app, and uh, I just happened to see someone on Slack mention, oh yeah, you know, the Office 365 Exchange is going to, uh, not deprecate, but remove the ability to use plain text passwords soon. And this was a couple months ago, and I was like, oh crap, Like, I better like tell my client this, or all of a sudden their stuff's going to quit working. So um, we'd already been doing some work with the, the Graph API. Um, and Microsoft has their, has their, has their entire kind of like OAuth flow. You can do single sign on, you can do client app flows. And so, um, I had implemented the basic code to do, you know, an OAuth login using a client secret, um, and, you know, check, uh, the email for a given account, download the, the messages, basically what like a CFI map call would do just to get all messages. Um, and I'd already implemented a CFC that mostly was kind of a drop and replacement. It would give you back the same query object and do the same basic, you know, thing that CFI map did. And I saw some people talking about it on the Lucy forum saying, ah, crap, my app just quit working because plain text passwords don't work, work anymore. So I cleaned out all the client specific stuff and I posted that as a CFC as a starting point. Um, it, it does assume you're using Wirebox. It does assume you're using Hyper and Logbox, but those aren't major requirements. You could easily refactor the code I posted to not use Coolbox in any way. Um, you know, the OAuth flow, the, the Graph API calls would all be the same thing. But anyway, yeah. Um, if if you're using any of the Microsoft Exchange 365 stuff um, and you're using CFPOP or CFI map where you have a hard-coded username and password, it will bite you soon and you'll be scrambling to figure out the uh, OAuth API. Um, so hopefully some people can use that code that I posted as a starting point to, to get it moved over. Cool. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of work with the Microsoft's infrastructure stuff lately too. Working with some SharePoint stuff. That's kind of fun. It's mm -hmm. Once you get figure out where to actually set up your little your app secrets and stuff because there's a million different places to do it. <laughs> that was my thing. It's like, uh-oh, which, which credentials do I need here? But Adam is still talking about COBOL. So the JVM COBOL compiles to Java <laughs> bytecode, which runs directly inside the JVM. So you can do CF COBOL. Is this like one. the is this like the rule thirty four of the JVM or something? Like no matter what it is, somebody has it running of a JVM somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> like in the worst possible way. Yep. For we, sure. We were just joking, but nope, it really is a thing. Yeah. <laughs> so we did mention Lucy's release, so I'll just post the link for anyone who cares there. Um but 539166 is stable and released. And then we also had the, the blog post where Charlie talked about how to restore the admin log viewer stuff and why you may not want to do it or may want to figure out a better way to do it. And then I was on a podcast. So uh, I've been helping uh, 
McKella from TerraTech cover the State of the CF Union survey. So in previous years, uh, you've had three, four, uh, basically podcasts as you guys discuss the results. This year, I've stepped in and tried to take over a little bit there so that way it gives you more time for other things. So the second part of the series, uh, we talked about like the middle chunk of the survey, lots of great stuff in there. So that's on the CF Alive podcast. And the third one we released in a couple more weeks. And then there, you guys have been working on some trends, right, Brad? Do you want to give them a, a tease of what you guys are going to be talking about? Um, well, yeah, and we just, we've been doing the State of the CF Union survey long enough, and we had the same basic questions every year, but there's a handful of questions such as, what version of Cool Fusion are you using, um, that we're able to kind of piece together the information across the years and see some interesting trends on, you know, are the, are the Cool Fusion 9 numbers going down? Are they staying the same? You know, how many people have adopted Cool Fusion 2021? Um, it's, it's really cool to see that. So we've been working on just some some trend analysis that can incorporate multiple years worth of data um, and not to see, you know, what's the current state, but are people actively adopting source control? Are people actively going away from old versions that are out of support? Because um, those things are, are important, um, I think, you know, not just the current state, but are, are things trending in the direction you want them to trend in? So yeah. looking forward to getting some more, uh, some more of that data put together that shows the multi-year analysis Yep. So while you wait for that, um, like I said, episode one and two is available about talking about the results from this year. Uh, the third one will be out soon. And then Brad will be recording the teaser episode. Well, sorry, the trends episode uh, coming up here soon. So hopefully we'll have that a little later in the year. So thanks, Michaela, for doing that with uh, CFLI podcast. Absolutely. Okay. Find a job. So we've got a few jobs up on the getcfmailjobs.com. So one is a senior cold fusion developer in London. That is for our uh, newest uh, Patreon sponsor, Tomorrow's Guides. And then we have uh, another position full-time in London as well. And that apparently is a different uh, company. So I guess London's hiring cold fusion developers this week. So uh, Adam, if you don't want to leave CFML, it sounds like there's people looking for people. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> But again, we did have that Patreon-sponsored job announcement. So Tomorrow's Guides, um, fast-paced leader in UK care sector, is looking for two different members to join their team. So they've got a senior CF developer for UK only. It's a remote permanent position. Um, they do want at least three years minimum experience with ColdFusion, some database design, normalization, ability to write and understand complex queries using MS SQL 2019. They want you to be familiar with Git and have a flexible skill set covering a wide range of development. But they're also looking for an automation test engineer as well. And so if you have some experience with automated testing, with tools like Selenium, stuff like that, and uh, tools like API, um, Postman, Fiddler, etc. So as we mentioned earlier, they got some really good benefits. Um, and there sounds like they've got some some pretty cool events for their company, team nights out, etc. So if you guys are interested, uh, tomorrows.co.uk you guys can find out more about their jobs on their jobs.cfm page so uh, and Adam you're so welcome for <laughs> offering you to uh, another cold fusion job I always like teasing Adam because <laughs> he just can't get away he keeps sucking them back in but uh, yeah it's Hold on a second. If you have skills in QA automation engineering in the UK, talk to Adam. So apparently Adam's got a job for someone if you're doing QA automation as well. So, but uh, Audis is also <laughs> has a job as well. So autosolutions.com slash about dash us slash careers. So we've got uh, job opportunities there as well. 
And we have some in Latin America and in the U.S., so let us know, and hopefully in Spain soon as well. Okay, let's get through. Let's talk about the Forgebox module of the week. You want to tell us about this one? The author is actually in the chat right now. Yeah, I'm reading about it right now. I hadn't seen it when it came out. Published so this, on November 7th. Well, that yeah. was yesterday. So this is the Swagger Redoc UI for Coldbox. Yep. So David Levin, uh, he was inspired by the CB Swagger UI module mm -hmm. that Daniel Garcia wrote. Um, and so basically he decided to do a Swagger Redoc UI version. And so if you go to slash Redoc, on, once you've got it installed, you'll see a visual representation of your Swagger docs. And it's based on the Redoc um, one, which is a React-based um, version. I feel like I need some screenshots in this README so I, I know what it means when it says a visual. Well, you can see right here. Ooh, this README oh. has it. So we need to get some of those files in there, David. But uh, it looks pretty slick, and there is a, a live demo we can go look at, and it sounds pretty cool. David's been doing a lot of work with Swagger lately. He's been asking questions and talking about things like using refs with all of refs, etc. But if we come down here and look at the pit, it's a, if we want to like find pit by ID, you can see you know you got the if you got a big screen like myself, you can have all the different options. You can have the menu on the left, and the middle is more the you know the schemas and then you have the examples and you can actually uh run the payloads as different examples if you want to use xml json you can do cat May dog maybe david can clarify is this a tool that generates a static mini site or is this something that's like at runtime dynamically parsing json and outputting this like could you take this and put it on s3 as a static site what exactly yeah i, I believe you could this? so like we do that with a customer. We have it basically, we have a little site and the way the CB Swagger one works, the Swagger UI is it just defaults to the slash Swagger implementation, but you can give it different URLs. And so this, this one here, it's very similar. Uh, I haven't installed his version yet, but I'm assuming it's the same that when you load it up, it'll just load up this, the Swagger doc that Swagger automatically creates so the Swagger CB Swagger module. But, uh, but then from there, obviously you can just point it at wherever so you could put the reduct one anywhere in your you know your put on s3 and just what we do one of our clients is we just basically make a link that goes to where our, our shared redox server is and then pass in the file name that we want it to load and then it'll load it in there so, so is there like an export button then that actually creates the static files because it's looking like this is just a cold box module you install and you're just hitting a cold box route that's actually like the server is running and that's what's generating it. Yeah. So by default, it'll to get the JSON to actually make the docs work, it pulls the Swagger uh, endpoint and then it generates the, the JSON file on the fly and then displays it. So uh, I assume with that module there, it's just an easy way to, to load up and display it without having to worry about installing you know, a static site somewhere else. So Right. No, that's fine. It just wasn't my question. Okay. My question was, does this module generate a static site? Yes or no? Oh. And the, the readme doesn't say, and I was hoping if David was still in the chat, he would clarify. Yeah. I, didn't think I mean, I, I totally understand the runtime parses the JSON file as the yeah. page loads, generates it on the fly. I was trying to figure out if this would like spit out a folder of HTML files for me. All right. Scott Steinbeck says no. No, I mean, um, all just, right, well, that's fine. I was trying to understand what it did. Yeah. You just cloned the, the redoc one and just put your swagger to JSON file in there if that's what you wanted. So it could generate, but it's essentially already there. So, yeah. Interesting. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I was just trying to understand what it did. 
yeah so uh like i said it's pretty cool and obviously there's some other ones out there and so it's one of those things that you can quickly you know look at something like the cb swagger ui or or this one and and get some different versions because some have some cool little features that aren't there you know i like the ones where you can put in your you know do your login and it remembers your keys and then it adds them automatically to all your calls you can actually test the calls right there in the, the ui and it does everything through local storage it's pretty slick so i haven't tried that one i will have to play with it okay next up our vs code hint tip and trick of the week and uh this one's an old one but it's got almost three million views now so i thought it was time to revisit it i've just started actually using it more and as a CF Builder user, Brad, I think you would probably like this one. Mm -hmm. So it now. the project manager. So basically it just makes it really easy for you to have all your projects uh, inside of VS Code. So you can add a project. So you basically, whenever you open a folder, you know, normally you can go to recent open upper folders. We could save it as a workspace and that's kind of annoying, um, but you have to like open the workspace. But with a project manager, you can just sort of save something as a project and then it can list them all in the side panel and you can easily switch between uh projects pretty easily and you can tag them too so you can group them and the cool feature so, i liked is that it'll detect all your git repos and automatically gives you a list of them so you don't even have to make you know projects you can uh, just, it'll show you all your git repos on your site uh, on your server in a certain folder and then you can just click on any of them to jump to them or that could be useful yeah yeah it was because i the thing I like about CF Builder was, you know, I'm working in like command box and I randomly are like, you know what? I want to look at the code on a random file that's part of a test box framework and I could just directly open it like without having to go through any steps. And but what I like about VS Code was I'm like, I wish to open this random file in a random folder without creating a stupid project to do it. Right. I can just open crap. But I, I want to find like the happy medium where I can open random stuff easily, but then also get nice management of my, you know, normal projects that I work on. I like the the idea of it scanning your Git repos. Yeah. So um, here, see, so like so this, cool. this is his project list. So he's got a tag for learning. So all the learning ones are there under personal. We can have different things under VS Code, and then you've got some that don't have a tag. But then underneath it shows all your Git repos within the folder. You tell it, hey, this is where I shovel my Git stuff or my all my work projects and it'll yeah just the tags are them. nice because i have a lot of projects and some of them are client related some of them are command box related some exactly. of them are just random yeah. <laughs> related or just websites i work on um yep. and that's exactly what i've been using mine for lately. yeah and you click on it and if the the vs code window is already open it just switches to it and if it's not open it'll open a new window for you if you have it set up so you only ever have one vs code window open it'll just change to that but i hate that setting so hopefully you turn that off but that means if you've got three open instead of trying to remember which tab it's in you can just click this and it'll just take you to it too and it's got its own little window on the on the left so you click project Manager, yeah, that's nice. And click, click. Because right now, I'll I'll wind up with like ten VS Code windows, and then it's like just a bit of a mess, just trying to figure out like which VS Code window I want. So I yep. can play with this this extension. Yeah. So like I said, it's been around for a long time. I think Eric Peterson's the first person actually recommended it to me, and I've been using it, but I haven't used it as much as I should have because now I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. Why haven't I been using this more? So, <laughs> so yeah. So that is our VS Code. Hint, tip, and trick of the week is the project manager extension. And I will share that in the chat for everybody who's watching live. And uh, we seem to have a lot of uh, a lot of people in the chat today. It's good to see. 
And David said he couldn't live without this module. It's like, well, I couldn't either. I just didn't know how, how good it was. So started using <laughs> it more. But yeah, it's really good. And then the tags, kind of it's kind of weird to add tags. So if you edit them in, in JSON format, go and type something in as a tag and it becomes a tag. That's kind of how I cheated. But Adam Cameron is installing it now. So <laughs> yeah. We're here live with updates from Adam Cameron as he installs this module, folks. Yeah, VS Code is pretty cool. A lot of cool things there. And if you guys got any other ones that you can't live without, David, let us know. <laughs> we'll add them to our list and we'll put them in the VS Code hint, tip, and trick of the week. Remember, we have the video series too, so you can watch all of the ones from this year and don't get any of, well, as much of us. But without them, our Patreons, we wouldn't be able to make this podcast. So let's thank uh, all our wonderful Patreon supporters and our newest Patreon, Tomorrow's Guides, as they are now a gold Patreon sponsor. So thank you. And remember, if you want to support us, Auto Solutions, you can go to uh, patreon.com slash auto solutions. And doing that, they get a few perks, right, Brad? It's not just giving away money. They do get something for it. Yes, they get our love and admiration. Yeah, but is there something they actually want? <laughs> uh yeah there's a lot of perks that come with the uh the the patreon supporters bronze bronze packages up get forgebox pro uh cf cast subscription we have the profile badge on the community website so people know how cool you are we have a private forum access in the community site we have a private channel on our box team slack uh for the patreon supporters and then we also have live access to streams such as Coding with Kiwi and Friends and the Order Software Craftsmanship Book Club. So lots of perks for our um orders or our Patreon sponsors. Do we have an adjective for the sponsors today? Not today, unless you think of one. Oh. Have we done illustrious? No. Sounds good. Go with the that. illustrious Patreon sponsor. Yep. And so another perk that I just added recently, uh over time, we sometimes uh, branch out and get different hosts for this podcast. And so we've had a couple over time. We've had Ben Adele's come and done it. And then uh, Scott Steinbeck's done it. And I have another one planned coming up in December. So we're going to try and do a Patreon uh, co-host maybe once a month. That's sort of the goal is to try and get some of you uh, great Patreon supporters here, the people that love to come and join the, the chat and whatever. Uh, so if you guys can get a green screen set up and have a microphone set up, whatever, uh, then we'll start to add some co-hosts. If you guys are curious and uh, you're interested, let us know, and then we can try and add you to the schedule. So it was really cool to have Scott come on, and it was fun with Ben before, and, you know, it's good to have more people out there. So don't worry, I'll do the prep. We've got the show notes. Just try and read them before the, the podcast starts, unlike Brad. <laughs> but uh, since yep. you're you're reading away, Brad, we'll let you uh, read out the Patreon names this week. So you can take a deep breath and show us your trumpet lungs. That's uh, That's ridiculous. All right, our Illustrion Patreon sponsors. John Wilson from Synaptrix, Jordan Clark, Gary Knight, Mario Rodriguez, Giancarlo Gomez, David Bellinger, Dan Carr, Jonathan Perrette, Jeffrey McGee from Sunstar Media, uh, Dean Monder, Noah Irk, Abdul Rahim, Avila De Bruyne, Joseph Lamry, Don Bellamy, Jan Yannick, Laxma Turahadi, Brian uh, Gidinelli from Haggerty Motorsport, Carl Von Stetten, Jeremy Adams, Dito Lesnicki, Matthew Clemente, Daniel Garcia, Scott Steinbeck from Agri Tracking Systems, Ben Liddell, Richard Herbert, Brett DeLion, Kai Kone, Charlie Earhart, Jason Dykert, Sean Oden, Matthew Darby, Ross Phillips, Edgardo Cabezas, Patrick Flynn, Stephanie Monghi, Kevin Wright, John Wish, Peter Amiri, Kevin Vanis, and John 
Nessum. Those are our illustrious Patreon supporters. Thank you so much. Yep, and don't it. forget our newest member of tomorrow's guides that uh, new gold supporter, and they're looking for a worker, so please check out their website. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. It's been a long one again. I'm sorry. We just keep talking, but lots of good stuff to share. So a lot of great content coming your way, lots of sessions, webinars, and, and a lot of other great stuff. So thanks, everybody, for joining us. And Brad, thank you again, and you guys have a great week. Yep. See you guys online. Bye. Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io, where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Bluetree Audio.